Hi, everyone. It's Jay Sen. Welcome to the CMO Network podcast. Today with me is Leah Hendricks out of the United Kingdom. She is the CMO of two organizations. Welcome, Leah, to the CMO Network. Hi. Thanks, Jay. It's uh, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So this is an informal discussion with CMOs around the world about essentially their role and you know how, how they go about it. Um, so how did you get started in the role of marketing and how did you end up as a CMO? Well, I guess um, my goal was always to become a CMO early on in my career. So when I first started working, I set out to gain experience in different areas within marketing. And I mapped on my journey uh, from, I guess, the start to where I am today. I wanted to combine the process of creative thought and then business. And I studied fine arts and then went into brand marketing and then into business management. So early on in my career, I worked in advertising and then I moved from agency to corporate where I specialized in digital first and then I aimed to gain expertise in key areas. And I progressed from there within marketing, really to leading to me becoming a CMO one day, which I am, you know, today. It's great to, to hear the story of somebody, number one, with a fine arts background. I think that's really amazing, especially how you can bring that into branding. Mm -hmm. And then also that you essentially knew that you wanted to guide marketing for an organization. In this case, you're actually guiding it for two different organizations. And I, I just noted as well that you're also um, FCIM, which is a fellow of the Institute of Chartered Marketing, which is really cool. So for those people who don't know, we'll have a note about that as well. Um, so to start off, you're the CMO of two different companies. So briefly, if you could describe um, those two companies and who is the target customer for each. Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, Delta Capita is a division of Prytech. And we lead global managed services, technology uh, and consulting uh, as global provider with a unique combination of experience in financial services and the capability in technology innovation. Now, when we look at who Delta Capita are, we focus on our vision, which is reinventing the financial services value chain. Uh, we provide a business operating platform as a service, so we call it BOPAS. And it's really a trusted mutualized service for um, financial services where we enable clients, businesses across the value chain. Now, Prytech, our parent company, and within Prytech, we have a full value chain or value proposition that extends across uh, education, talent solutions, and then, of course, financial services. And Delta Capita is the financial services division of Prytech. Um, so I hope that gives you an, an understanding of both uh, businesses, but when I answer your second part of the question, which is you know the key focus in terms of personas, it's across the CXO um, kind of cohort. So when we look at key offerings within Delta Capita's uh, suite, we are looking at head of client onboarding, uh, head of KYC, uh, head of transformation and digital change. Uh, you know we're looking at legal compliance, uh, wealth managers. Uh, project managers, it really extends, you know, right through to the COO and CIO head of regulation. So uh, I would extend that across both the firms as well. Um, really looking at that kind of uh, full suite of um, divisions, but focusing purely on the financial services division, those are our key personas and cohorts. Thanks for sharing that. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting role that you're 
helping the parent company and you're also helping one of the main divisions, uh, which is Delta Capita. And I really like the way that you shared it with us um, as we were chatting uh, before we started the, uh, the podcast today, which is around reinventing financial service, services value chain for tier one banks. And that's a really lovely uh, and clear encapsulation of that. Um, I don't know that everybody is really familiar with business operations um, as, as a service. So could you share briefly what that might entail? Like what's a before and after, say for example, for um, a, a, one of a, a bank that you may have worked with in the past before they worked with Delta Capita and after. So what's the sort of, what's the core transformation that, that you help them to achieve? Yeah, so basically we design and develop um, new services and tools for tier one banks and we leverage the substantial fintech portfolio from our parent company, as I mentioned, uh, Pritech. So if you look at banks today, the banking environment is really, uh, I guess, becoming increasingly challenging for uh, smaller and mid-sized firms to operate. And the costs of the, I guess, the ongoing regulatory agenda uh, is increasing and that need for focus on improving true client differentiating capabilities is where the focus is at. So powered by modern technology such as AI, uh, you know, in that focus area is almost impossible for, for banks to achieve on their own. And that's where, you know, service providers like Delta Capita come in. So banks are constantly distracted from their core and their core purpose and, and therefore this needs to change and we actually focus on changing that. When we look at it from a Delta Capita perspective, most of the financial institutions that we help, we actually focus on, uh, I guess, exiting them on non-differentiating functions, as I mentioned. We help them comply with regulatory obligations. Uh, you know, once they've worked with us, we enable the simplification of the operations. Uh, we reduce costs for them and, and you know, drive permanent um, headcount challenges that they focus on. And we help them with reduction of costs in that sense. We adopt innovation business models and technologies and help them in that regard. And then of course, we achieve, uh, I guess, industry standardization for them and cost neutralization through um, that offering that we, we drive through our BOPAS model. Yeah, it, it actually is making more sense as you're sharing it, which is essentially, um, Leah, what you're saying is that banks are doing so many things. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them are based in massive amounts of information. And a lot of those things are essentially, as you said, non-differentiated or non-differentiable. So it's not really what makes them special to the customer. And so you come in, uh, Delta Capita comes in and util utilizes AI, automation, information advantages, workflows and says, look, we can actually take these things that are not differentiating you, cut your costs and improve your reliability and let you differentiate, you know, where you can do your work best, maybe with your relationship management or providing additional value added services. Um, I think that's brilliant. So, um, so that, that's a fair part of it. Right? Indeed. I mean, we deliver the, the expertise, the, you know, the business critical technology, the managed services. And until now, um, they've largely been performed by dedicated in-house teams. And we are able to now, you know, really drive that for many of these uh, tier one banks and, and financial institutions. I think the other thing that, you, that you're touching on, which is really exciting, is that um, Delta Capita is a leader 
in, in AI as well. And so you're able to bring in essentially some mechanisms to these banks to help them um, sort of realize where they can apply that and, and do automation or use AI. And essentially, again, as you said, um, take some, that's the transformation part of what you're saying, right? So it's business operation as a, as a service, kind of breaking it down a little bit. Um, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So the next um, question uh, related to that is um, if there are tier one banks that are considering, um, you know, going through sort of up-leveling themselves, uh, what, what are the, you know, sort of what are the, how do you stand out to those banks? Like how, how did you, um, if you will, put yourself at the top of their list? If they're choosing between options, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, how would you, how would you uh, respond to that uh, question? Yeah, so I think it's based on the fact that we've got this unique combination of experience in financial services and capability in technology innovation. So, um, you know, many instances you either find that organizations are either tech focused or services focused, right? We combine the two where we work with our uh, parent company, as I mentioned, Priotech, to leverage this uh, unique capability of technology. So there's a, a plethora of uh, portfolio uh, companies, or rather not portfolio companies. Um, there's a plethora of companies, and this portfolio of technology helps enable the value proposition for many of these banks, where we actually combine this experience in uh, technology, people, expertise, and then of course, capital to really enable this value proposition uh, across the, the actual uh, financial institution and financial industry space. So, so in a sense, it's, it's partly that you have such a broad range of people and, and also the library of like best practices, but both technical and process and also the domain expertise where you have actual people that are very deeply knowledgeable about risk management or different practices in the banking industry, such as, I mean, I know risk management is one of the things that um, Delta Capita has strength in. And also I think KYC and, um, you know, the yep. client lifecycle management as well. And it's that combination that really differentiates when you talk to a bank, they're like, we want to work with Delta Capita. Is, is that a good, is that a good thought, uh, explanation of it? Yeah, I think, you know, I guess, as I mentioned, we're focusing on reinventing the financial services value chain. And I guess the pandemic has shown that uh, there is a crisis and we're focusing on, on many of these. For example, we've seen that the impact of COVID-19 or, you know, or the pandemic in this regard on financial institutions has put even more pressure on firms like the KYC teams, right? You just mentioned that. Uh, regulatory requirements are still there. There's, the deadlines haven't changed, they remain unchanged. And therefore these in financial institutions have really exhausted many of their internal options. So including the kind of promise of new technology initiatives over, over years, right? It's basically saying, yeah, we, we, we're gonna bring in this technology, we're gonna change many of these things, um, but they're not really reducing costs. So these managed services offerings that we look at and the lift out options that we provide, such as those by Delta Capita, uh, the life cycle of these internal uh, teams and the vendor CLM technologies are coming to an end. And we are able to really drive that step change and use the CLM capability to drive that change. So if you think of it, 
banks are trying to learn some lessons and are really needing to change and become more mature. So if you look at the shift, it's really about the supply chain. And if you look at the shift to supply chain models, it's already happened in many other industries, yet banking is one of the last to go. So banks need to learn the lessons of more mature industries like automotive or even the travel industry, right? It's not the best uh, example right now um, in terms of travel, but certainly automotive, where there's a clear differentiation between, I guess, mass production and luxury brands, um, whereas uh, banking still needs to actually align those components within the supply chain that uh, helps them take advantage of this kind of specialization and economies of scale. Yeah, it's, it's a good point that the banking industry often is, um, they have so much to gain, but they're a little bit slow in some cases because they're overloaded with a lot of legacy systems or Regula regulatory constraints or information overload, et cetera. And so um, it's, 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 it's exciting that you're able to work with them and help them, as you said, to um, you know, reinvent um, the financial services value chain you know, for those tier one banks. Um, there are a couple of questions that we're gonna get into about how you get customers to learn about you because you have such a unique um, specialized target customer list uh, for Delta Capital. You're not really trying to be everything to every bank in the world. You're really looking at the top tier one banks. Um, I think that's right. So you can correct me if I'm getting that right. And, uh, and then as we talk through that, maybe we'll also um, secondarily talk a little bit about a, a different topic, which is mergers and acquisitions, because I think you had brought that up earlier. So just briefly, is your, is your target uh, customer the tier one banks? And if so, how do you bring awareness to them uh, about you know, who Delta Capita is and how they could possibly benefit from you? I mean, are, do you think they're already aware of you or some of them are, some of them aren't? Where are you in that life cycle for those tier one banks? Yeah, so I think Delta Capita is of course still growing. Um, we are a challenger brand in that sense in, in, in this market in that we are looking at things differently. As I mentioned, we've got this unique combination. So if you look at many of our competitors that either do one area or the other, whereas for Delta Capita, we very much focus on capital markets in consulting, managed services, and technology and we bring that to the fore so we really want to position that we continue position uh, that in in the market and we've certainly grown over the past uh, you know year and a half i mean if i think of it uh, we've done um over four mnas in just a, a 14 to 15 month period uh you know we've grown phenomenally when i joined uh, about two years ago we were 200 we now over 1000 300 uh, individuals so or employees so having said that you know the business is really growing and thriving in that sense tier one banks are our, our client uh, base but at the same time we uh, you know when I mentioned financial institutions uh, that does extend across tier two banks right in terms of prospective clients and, and growing in, in that sense we focus on insurance as well um, as an industry target for our clients so we, I wouldn't say that is purely, you know, our, our core focus. We extend across different tiers, but tier one is our current customer base, certainly. Yeah, that's fascinating um, to go from in a few years uh, from 200 to approximately 1300 people. 
and for you to be in this role as they go through the, as you go through that and it, it starts to make more sense like why Prytech is um, as you said like very dynamic and also why Delta Capita has so much um, you know so many different ways that they can provide solutions uh, so do you want to briefly touch a little bit about your experience in terms of those M&As and what some of the yeah. what are some of the things you've learned and some of the best practices that you could share with with others that are listening? Yeah, so I guess, um, I mean, if you think of M&As, and I've been involved in a few from a marketing perspective, um, I think when you think of M&As, the natural, uh, I guess, sort of functions that spring to mind is usually sales, HR, finance, and then marketing. So I think, um, you know, that that is a shame for most uh, stakeholders in that sense, because uh, marketing plays a key role in, in M&As. Um, I've now, you know, been involved in integrating marketing or businesses uh, across all of those uh, acquisitions that I've just mentioned. And I guess integrating marketing and brand in M&As can help really drive superior growth. So ultimately, I focus on six core aspects of, of marketing integration. And I think that can help companies um, get the most out of their integration efforts uh, in new organizations when they drive this. So when you think of it, really, there's this kind of 6C or in fact 6S model. Let me move to the S's. And that's the, the core focus of trying to get these uh, six things right from an S perspective. So uh, there's the story. Uh, ideally, you want to define this new organization's value proposition and tell the right story. Uh, you want to look at segments. So you want to refresh your view of the market and really outline what that market opportunity really is. Um, you want to look at service. So really refresh um, and delight your most valuable customers. Refresh your value proposition to the point where you want to delight them with the value that you can really offer. Um, you want to look at sharing. Uh, so share as, as an additional S. Uh, really delivering these kind of consistent value over time, making sure that you are sharing, that you're collaborating in that sense. And then science uh, as the fifth one. Uh, you want to take that, uh, I guess, objective, fact-based approach to setting brand strategy and really driving that forward to really understand what the brand and the business is all about. And then lastly, scope. I think um, you want to tackle less and not more. And uh, on that kind of integration platform, there's a lot to do as you kind of outline that process and that integration plan. But once that's happened, you really want to focus on doing a lot less um, effectively or focusing on a very targeted approach to doing more with uh, very little in that sense. Uh, straight on and after day one, you really want to focus on, on that kind of targeted approach. So applying these uh, six S's for me, is something I can share and that will really boost the success of marketing integration across the firm. I love it. I think that's great. Um, are those six S's uh, something that you, uh, that you came up with or something that you have, um, is it like a standard that you have, uh, that you, that you like to reuse or where's, where's that? No, coming so, from? So, so basically I've, um, it's a McKinsey framework. Uh, I've uh, adopted this uh, when we started M&As from a marketing approach and I, it's really worked very well. Um, and then there's been a slight nuance to it, as, as I mentioned, where, you know, some of that kind of scope model is, is around 
uh, tackling less. And I really try and create more of a targeted approach across the phased uh, elements. I've taken it one step further around how you actually scope that out, um, how you actually work with different functions in the business to scope that out. Um, so yes, that's the model. I, what I think is fascinating is going from 200 to 1300 and having all this um, opportunity, you really need something like this, which is sort of a set of guiding principles. Uh, to, to, to bring the value from those acquisitions. Otherwise, you're just having uh, just separate stories, just, you know, you're not really looking at the, 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 the incremental value that you can bring to your segments or how you can actually improve the service. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit more about the sharing one. Um, so when you, when, you, when you brought up the sharing one, is that, can you share a little bit more about uh, sharing, is that sharing between different divisions within that you're, that you're acquiring or is that sharing in it, you know, internal versus external. Well, you obviously focusing on delivering consistent value over time, right? So I think it's sharing across internal and external. When you think of integration, you're sharing based on your client, you know, portfolio uh, in that sense. Firstly, when you think of the external, um, I, I guess, strategy. So what clients do you both kind of focus on or, you know, and by that, I mean the organizations when you integrate. Uh, how do we start to integrate our value propositions? How do we start to differentiate them? How do we go to market as one? Where do we see um, our strengths, our weaknesses? Where's the opportunities in that sense? So you're sharing in terms of how we actually go to market and how we're going to create different, uh, I guess, value propositions and value over time to these clients in, in, in that specific way. However, also sharing in terms of the different functions, as I mentioned, uh, I think marketing sits at that kind of core where you're able to work with HR, you work with finance, you work with sales, uh, you work with, you know, operations in that sense. Um, and I think we are well positioned in terms of fully trying to influence and really drive that strategy forward. So, for example, I'll use one example. I think we know that marketing today is having to do, you know, be all things to all people. Let's be honest. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's two points to that. I actually want to raise that. I think one is there's still a lack of education when it comes to understanding what marketing is and what marketing's function really is. And not only contributing to business strategy and uh, you know driving uh, the kind of business growth forward, but also understanding you know what marketing score function is. I think today marketing is having to be HR, marketing is having to drive sales and is eating a lot more of that funnel, right? It's, it's actually owning a lot more of that from a sales perspective. Marketing is having to be commercial. So commercial marketers understanding lead generation in, in that sense. When I take that back specifically with sharing and you look at uh, HR, right? Marketing is now also owning a lot more of the employer brand discussion. So in this culture change or, you know, when you're driving integration, a key part of this is actually culture change. You're bringing two organizations together that potentially would have had, uh, you know, slightly different cultures. And when you integrate, you want to ensure that that is either similar or complementary. And certainly in, in the, um, the acquisitions that I've been involved in, they've been complementary or they've certainly been close to that makes it actually successful. So when you're driving that employer brand um, discussion or strategy, you're making sure that that culture fit is there. Uh, marketing plays a big role in that. 
to ensure that purpose is there, that the mission is understood, that the strap line and the brand purpose is there so that the uh, acquired firm now starts to feel as one and starts to share in a way that we're able to deliver that consistent value over time. I love it. I think that's so helpful. I think that bringing the sharing out a little bit, Leah, and talking about um, uh, the, um, the, uh, the ability for you to help your companies that you're acquiring really feel part of the same journey, the same mission, that's, that's great. And how, how they can work together to bring more value to the shareholders and to the, to the clients, right? How they can actually participate and rapidly. And so having, I, I, I can just imagine going through that kind of growth and all those different organizations coming together and bringing them to a shared mission, shared purpose, shared communication, shared driving, uh, you know, driving of value. I, I think that brings us to the, the tail end of this, I think, which is the scope one. And I think what I love that you shared there is less, not more. Um, so that's hard to do, especially when you have, uh, I can imagine when you have organizations coming in, they already have a lot of plans and progress. Uh, each of them, right, is, it has a lot of inertia and momentum. And then you're like, let's get focused. So could you share a little bit about how you have worked as a CMO to bring that principle of scope where less is actually more valuable and how you do that through this process of rapid growth? Yeah, I think the key thing is really, um, I guess, prioritization. I think the, 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 the challenge that we as marketers have today is the fact that we having to uh, flex quite a lot in terms of our strategy. So the core business strategy, I guess, you know, remains the vision. You understand where you're going in terms of your vision. You have a strategy in place, but at the same time, things have changed. We've obviously seen, you know, change in the market. Things are agile. Things move quite quickly, uh, not only as an industry, but also in terms of business and you having to be dynamic and flex quite quickly. And I think things have changed for marketers in the sense that gone are the days where you'd, you know, structure your strategy for the year. And that's what it, is right or you look at it a half year and you you know you tweak it a little bit i think it's now a sense of being able to um shape and realign right as the dynamic industry uh flexes and changes as well in that sense and the the, the trick for market is is that we will always have to try and uh, tweak our focus to ensure that we're able to still uh, achieve the organizational objectives, but at the same time, make sure that we're prioritizing. So there's this, I guess, juxtaposition of always on, but um, prioritization at the same time, right? Um, and you having to uh, select a key, a key you know, a few key uh, objectives and uh, deliverables that you know will drive impact. Um, so it's making that decision with the CEO, you know, working very closely with the CEO and the board to try and understand what those priorities are that will drive impact. And then making sure you deliver on those uh, to push the business forward while still trying to achieve all the other elements that are, uh, are you know, are kind of in the behind the scenes. But selecting at least the top five of what you know will drive impact. Uh, there's a really interesting point there, which is you're, 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 you know, with all these companies coming together and also with working with these tier one banks that are already pretty complex organizations, 
having a lens to ask, you know, what can we, you know, what is the highest value thing we can do? How can we actually scope on a fewer things at once, do them really, really well and increase value to our bank clients as well as, you know, our internal, you know, organization. I think that's really interesting and it requires, that's not an easy thing to do at all, right? That really requires very thoughtful and careful and consistent sort of process communication and all of that. So that's fascinating. And I really like that as a CMO, you're, you're um, quite proactive. It, it feels like you're very proactive in, um, you know, kind of engaging everybody in that conversation in, in sort of in a way that um, saying, okay, well, as a, as a marketing, as a marketing uh, company, um, you know, function, we need to make sure that we also are communicating to, as you said, employees and future employees as well as our internal employees, as well as our potential, you know, uh, customers. So briefly to kind of wrap up um, last few sections here, which I wanted to dive into with you. Um, when you look at your weekly dashboard as a CMO, um, what are sort of the key things that you think are helpful for you as a CMO to look at on a weekly and monthly basis? In, in what sense, if you can go into a bit? For example, are you are you looking at, um, for example, do you start in your in your KPIs? Are you looking at the whole funnel for the banks? Are you looking at, as an example, how much awareness do we have? How much engagement do we have? Are you looking at, for example, um, like typical? If you would think about a smaller organization dealing with their customers. Um, they usually have that funnel and then they're looking at metrics at each stage of that funnel. Um, you know, for example, brand new contacts that are coming in from our target customer list and then engagement and then, you know, uh, to some extent, even the sales and follow up metrics like how are these closing, what's the close rate, things like that. Um, so and then you, you since you also have different channels that you're that you're managing. Um, you know, could be also some metrics across those channels like paid versus organic or, you know, different kinds of channels. I'll ask you a bit more about channels in a moment, but, um, or maybe we can step back and you can talk about the channels that you find the most useful for targeting these types of customers to banks um, uh, because, because it's a very special kind of customer, right? You're dealing directly with the CXO of tier one banks. So it's not, not necessarily the, the, the typical, uh, let's do marketing on, Google ads, for example. So what are your, what are the most effective channels for, for you? Let's ask that question first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about the KPIs. I think that will frame it. Okay, great. So I think um, when we look at the channels and hence why I asked about the dashboard, because how we really drive it is from the business strategy and marketing supports that business strategy. I think that's so important to note. So typically from a dashboard perspective or from our strategic intent, right? We'd, we actually have, and we'll go to the KPIs, but I think the way you framed it before is just so that it leads in, is we obviously look at m as a core focus as well, all right? Like I said, marketing plays a key role in that. So off the back of that as a KPI, m are quite critical because it's around the integration. How are we actually driving the brand strategy? How do we actually enable that? Uh, and there's a number of, I guess, factors and you know KPIs that we measure aligned to that. Have we achieved it? You know, looking at it months on, uh, are we actually driving the integration with clients? Do we have our core uh, integrated activities um, that is set within that? 
And then, of course, we take it down to the marketing and communications, I guess, KPIs and, and measurements in, in that regard as well, uh, off the back of that. So the dashboard for me is more strategic in that sense, in terms of what are the board priorities and how are we as marketing supporting that from MAs right through to employer brand, right through to commercial marketing for you know uh, lead generation and, and so forth. When we look at channels, um, certainly looking at that channel and that lead generation, as we, as, as, as we just stated, that's a core and primary focus for us. So are we actually engaging our clients, but more from a high touch perspective? So it's uh, content marketing is quite key um, in that we uh, ensure that we drive expert thought leadership to the C-suite, because as we know, it is, you know, quite critical for them to understand that we're able to uh, really get down to um, help them in terms of their, uh, their business problem and their challenges that they're facing. And we want to showcase that. So content marketing is the best way of doing that. I think we certainly extended across um, videos, across uh, uh, articles and blogs, we do PR coverage pieces, whether it's pay, earned or paid for um, in that regard. And of course, when we look at data analytics, that's a key focus for me in terms of that dashboard, because we look at our data weekly, of course, daily in terms of, you know, checking, but we report on it from a weekly perspective. And then, of course, quarterly uh, in terms of the board and making sure that we're able to align in that regard. So, those are some of the channels, and I hope that gives you a, you know, a brief understanding of what we look at in terms of our analytics and um, enable our, our focus. All aligned to brand positioning, brand awareness, lead generation, and then M&As. I love it. I think it's quite different than maybe what other CMOs are going through, so it's great to get that perspective um, in the sense that because you're uh, organization is, as you said, really looking at providing value through um, these integrated and sort of flexible services that you can bring together. Um, and then I think too that the high touch and the thought leadership is so interesting as well that you mentioned that. Um, and I just was curious because you have these M&As, um, these, these mergers and these uh, different acquisitions, what does your sort of your organization look like? Do you have more of uh, direct re reports from these different organizations that report into you? Is there more of a matrix style or how does that work? So it's, it's interesting because of course, um, as you're aware or, you know, when you drive any integration of an M&A, you need to look at the actual model of the business or the structure of it and how it would complement or uh, potentially, uh, you know, kind of, work better if it were actually, you know, more of a sub brand or separate. And we actually do that strategy when we do the acquisition. So as part of that, you're really looking at what that uh, model looks like, how it complements what the value proposition would look like. And then you align as a business as to whether it dissolves or whether it's integrated or whether it maintains. And in the latest uh, acquisition, uh, acquisition specifically, we uh, went through a journey in terms of how we integrate it and how we bring the value propositions, the teams, the services all in as one. So we've adopted more of the kind of mother brand strategy uh, 
if you were, in terms of that parent structure and making sure that that then complements in terms of the full value chain of where we are uh, in our um, reinventing the financial services value chain journey. So having said that, the teams have actually integrated into one and we're now structuring it as a matrix organization aligned to line of business. So because we that big, and I mentioned to you, we've got managed services, we've got uh, consulting, we've got tech, uh, that in essence is a line of business. And we've got team leads that report into me that are responsible for each of those lines of business in terms of taking that marketing and communications go-to-market strategy to our clients. So it sounds like you you do have a lot going on in terms of uh, you know mentoring and and also coaching and mentoring the people who work for you. Um, maybe briefly you could um, just touch on as a mentor uh, for the people that work for you. What are you know what 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 are one or two things that you try to do or that you think you know help you to develop your people that are working with you? I think a big part of you know kind of mentoring or really leadership is 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 around uh growth and development so i think you know a, a big part of my leadership style is really ensuring that um my teams have an opportunity to grow and to you know kind of be a part of that uh, uh enablement really from their kind of uh, uh expertise in that sense so i think that learning and development and business and, and roles today are inextricably linked, right? We continuously learning, we're always learning and the team are certainly curious in that sense, right? I've got a mantra that, you know, you maintain uh, the sense of curiosity because through cu curiosity, you're able to learn a lot more. You ask questions, you ask the right questions, you're able to, you know, enable growth, not only for clients, but for employees in that sense. And it's certainly something that we adopt as a team, right? We're always looking at, uh, how we can enable further innovation. How do we reinvent, not only as a business, but as a team? How can we look at things in a different way to enable value for our clients and for our business? And it's certainly what I try and instill, you know, that sense of curiosity, that sense of learning, that sense of growth, and that sense of guidance, so really leading from behind, right? Giving that platform for development so the team can really thrive uh, uh, in, 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 in their growth and their, their roles. Sounds like, um, the people that are working with you and for you are, um, that they're, they're going to have a sense of curiosity and they're going to also, um, have a sense of adventure to kind of keep learning and, you know, keep getting stronger. So that's great. So it's really not, um, just a cookie cutter. Like, are you doing your job? It's really, how are you getting stronger? How are you getting more curious, how are you bringing, um, you know, bringing um, insight into this role? And I think that's great that you facilitate that. Uh, so I wanna say thank you so much uh, to, uh, to share with you, with our audience and the other CMOs, uh, your role, your journey, and some of the things that you find useful as a CMO. And um, is there anything, final question I usually ask uh, CMOs, is, is, there, is there a problem as a CMO that you wish that a company would take on and help solve or improve with, whether it's with technology or um, with something else? Is there something that you've been frustrated with, you know, in the last three to six months, you just said, my gosh, someone should be solving this um, for this, uh, for, for, for in the marketing space? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I alluded, it, uh, I alluded to it a little earlier 
and I mentioned it more around, I guess, understanding of marketing. Um, it's quite interesting because I think the marketing function, you know, becomes all things to all people. Uh, and there's this sense of education that certainly needs to be done. And what we're trying to do in our firm, because I think our, certainly our stakeholders um, have a sense of, of marketing. They do understand it and they want to learn more. I think there's a key endorser and support from a board level because I think it really helps when you've got a board member that fully understands marketing and, and really supports it. It helps drive the transformation of, of, of marketing leading that growth in the business. But I think for me, it's that kind of, you know, understanding that education, if, you know, if we could just try and educate more internally, uh, spend the time to kind of, uh, you know, share the knowledge of what marketing's function is, it will not only build the stature of marketing in the business, not that, you know, that's the core focus, but uh, really helping the, the teams in that sense to drive the contribution of marketing to the business strategy. Uh, that would be something I wish, you know, we could spend some time on. Now, there's always so many things that marketing are currently doing, but it's something that I'd like to prioritize is, you know, how do we go through these uh, kind of almost an enablement session of what marketing is, how we actually drive it, what is the core strategic understanding of marketing, uh, not this kind of fluffy sense of marketing. I think many individuals and stakeholders have the sense of, oh, marketing can make things look pretty or marketing can do that, right? Certainly not um, at our firm. There is a lot more of an understanding of marketing's core you know, function, but I think new individuals coming into the firm that aren't necessarily, you know, at a senior level, there is this kind of sense of, oh, is that what marketing is all about? And that can impact it from a bottom-up approach. So we're really needing to educate across the business and really tackle it head, head on. Love it. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, thanks so much uh, to, for listening and participating. We'd love to get your feedback, uh, what you thought. And if you have more questions, we'll probably have Leah back in the future as a panelist or a featured speaker at one of our events. And thanks so much to you, Leah, to, as being uh, on the podcast today for the CMO Network. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. It was lovely to connect with you and all the listeners and uh, all your community. Thanks, everyone. This is Jay Sen with the CMO Network. See you next time and let us know what you liked, what you'd like to know. And if you have any other questions, we can pass along to Leah. Take care. This is Jay Sen with Leah Hendricks. Bye now.